Welcome to Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense, with Dr. Fiona Lovely. Dr. Lovely is an expert on health, treating women and their families from around the world. Her specialities include endocrinology, functional neurology, and functional medicine. Please visit us at drlovely.com. And now, here's the doctor. Hello, this is Dr. Fiona Lovely, Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense podcast. I hope everyone's well. I just would like to take a moment to thank those of you who have reached out to me in the last couple of weeks to say how much the series of uh, podcasts, that was two that I did on the importance of progesterone in perimenopause, as well as the prevailing thoughts about what women should or should not be uh, experiencing with their hormones in popular literature. Um, I just want to thank you for reaching out to me and saying this resonated with you. It sure has resonated with me too. And um, what's neat is in my research around uh, progesterone so that I could bring you the most current information on it, um, was there was a whole lot of neat brain stuff that came about from that research. And that's to say the effect of progesterone and the other hormones on brain health. And so I thought I'd take the time now today to share a little bit with you about that, uh, those bits of information. Because realistically, uh, we, again, as someone who's experiencing perimenopause myself, I can definitely feel there are days where my ability to think um, clearly and remember details and names and things like that are, um, they, it seems to change every day. I, I seem to be more aware of the cognitive changes for me during certain parts of my cycle. And what my patients have told me is that they're experiencing the same thing. So I thought I'd, again, just take this time to talk a little bit about brain balance and how the hormones affect it and really give you some super practical information at the end of the podcast. So um, first thing I want to tell you for just some basic information, the brain needs three things for survival. The first thing is oxygen, no surprise. The second thing is fuel. Now, the brain uses sugar, glucose exclusively for its fuel. However, that doesn't mean we can't derive glucose from proteins, etc. It's very possible to do that. Um, And the third thing is activation. And what that means is those neurons, the brain cells, need something to do. So uh, I will talk to you a little bit about that further on in the podcast, but I thought I'd give you that information for context to start. So first thing I want to tell you is that the neurotransmitters are the chemical messengers or the language which which with the um, nervous system tissue, that is the brain, the spinal cord, the peripheral nerves, um, which come out from the spine and go out to all parts of the body, need either estrogen, progesterone, or testosterone for the neurotransmitter to work, synapse with the neuron, okay? So first thing I want to say about that is clearly you need to have all three of those things for your lifespan in order for your brain to function properly. So 
take that, people who think that progesterone's only for pregnancy or pre-menopause. <laughs> Can't seem to let that one go. Anyways, I'm still sore about it. <laughs> Uh, so neurotransmitters need estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. So certainly looking to see what your levels of these three hormones in particular, which happen to be, um, two of them anyways, the major players for women in perimenopause and testosterone is a secondary player, but super important as well. So safe to say when the hormones are imbalanced, neuro, uh, neurotransmitter function falters, and you start to have cognitive issues. That's the ability to think or function, things that you would associate with your brain. So there are a few major players for women, okay? And the first one really is the neurotransmitter GABA, which we talked about in last week's uh podcast at length about progesterone and GABA is really the major calmative neurotransmitter for the brain. So in order for GABA to work uh, at the uh, synapse, at the synapse of the neuron, it needs progesterone. So they work together um, and they work together to dampen anxiety and depression to help with sleep, etc. The next one I want to talk about is serotonin, and lots of us have heard about serotonin as the happy neurotransmitter, which is just one part of what it does. Uh, However, it's an important part, and it uh, turns out when the receptors are uh, exposed to estrogen, um, the serotonin receptors are exposed to estrogen, it increases their sensitivity. So this can explain a little bit why it is that estrogen can be associated with those very emotional times in our lives, whether it's uh, through the cycle or uh, otherwise. So let's go back to progesterone here for a second. When the progesterone is low, it turns out your dopamine levels are also low. Now, dopamine What's fascinating about this is dopamine is needed for a healthy frontal lobe, which is the part of your brain that's just above your eyes and behind your forehead. And it makes up a good portion of our um, our brain volume, 37 to 40% by volume, which is the largest frontal lobe of any animal on the planet. So the evolutionary argument is that it's not much of an argument, but uh, is that the frontal lobe developing the giant brain, specifically the frontal lobes that we have, have allowed us to be the dominant species, if you will. Okay. So really the frontal lobe controls, it's the executive brain. It's the personality part of the brain. Um, and really in order to have a healthy quality of life, you need a healthy prefrontal cortex or frontal lobe. So progesterone's low, dopamine's low, now your frontal lobe isn't working so well. So without, again, without dopamine, without the frontal lobe working well, all of a sudden we find ourselves with a propensity towards anxiety and depression, having troubles with memory, mood swings, sometimes aggression can be a problem. Um, We have less capacity for empathy, uh, poor uh, impulse control, poor ability to plan, and lack of motivation. So 
fascinating is it? Are you experiencing depression or is your depression a result of your neurotransmitters not being able to work as well as they could to stimulate these parts of the brain that make you who you are? And that's all coming from a hormonal imbalance. Let me tell you, there's not very many traditionally trained doctors that are going to be able to, to, to chase that or chase that uh, pathway or the, those connections. That's really that uh, functional medicine practitioner is the one that's going to be able to look at all of these things together and say, okay, where are we low? Where is the problem starting? And let's fix that. So it's also a good idea for me to take some time and talk about thyroid hormone briefly today. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it turns out that when the thyroid hormones are low, as in hypothyroidism, which is the most common uh, reason that the thyroid is not functioning or the most common uh, expression of thyroid dysfunction, let's say. And there are different reasons why you could have a low-functioning thyroid. Um, that is stuff that I will have covered in the earlier thyroid um, podcast. So you can go back and have a listen. So when the thyroid's not, not functioning very well, it's functioning low, it decreases progesterone, which decreases calm. That's the GABA connection with neurotransmitter. It decreases dopamine and which again, that decreases frontal lobe. So you always have to assess the thyroid. Thyroid issues are rampant for women these days. So if there is a thyroid hormone issue and your doctors prescribed you an antidepressant, they're not getting it. Find another practitioner. Okay, because that's just that's akin to just putting a bit of electrical tape on the on the dashboard when the light comes on that says check engine soon. Just covering up the symptoms. But what's the cause? You got to look at it all. You got to look at what the hormones are doing, the major players. You got to see what they're doing in relation to each other. That's super important. And you also need to know what the thyroid is doing. So the last thing I'm going to suggest for you here is that um, before I give you some uh, usable nuggets, if you will, when cortisol is high, okay, that's the stress hormone. I know we talk about stress a lot on this podcast, and I'm not sure I'll ever stop beating that drum because it really is a problem for us. I don't think we really get it. And, you know, me too. I'm, I, I'm learning how I have to manage these things for myself um, now at 43, which is very different than when I was 21, let's say. So cortisol high, that stress hormone high, winds up the brain, specific brain functions, okay? And the old part of the brain, the paleo brain, the limbic system, the stuff that doesn't really allow us to connect to other people, that makes us very uh, self-involved and survival-based, um, is the kind of thing that comes up when the cortisol is running high all the time. So when the cortisol is high, your brain is wound up, you have no peace, no calm, your memory retention goes down, your sleep quality goes down, and frankly, you're probably a bit of an asshole too. So there's just all kinds of reasons for you to pay attention to your stress levels. You must learn to manage stress levels. Identify and reject chaos. Embrace stillness. Seek pleasure. Those things will all help with cortisol levels, uh, a wound up brain that can't rest, 
also helps with adrenal glands because adrenals is where the cortisol comes from. And uh, really no reason to not pay attention to that. Okay, so coming back to the three things that the brain wants in order to survive. Actually, it's the things that the brain needs in order to survive. Number one, oxygen. Number two, fuel. And number three, activation. Okay, so first thing I want you to do that today is make sure you're breathing deeply and slowly. Okay, we do this stress breathing that gets us, you know, a third of the the top third of the lungs um, oxygenating. However, the gas exchange that is the exchange in the blood from carbon dioxide to oxygen happens in the lower parts of the lungs. So we really want to, most efficiently it happens down there. So we really want to make sure that we're breathing deeply and slowly into the chest through the nose. Now, the yoga people will tell you, breathe into the belly. Okay, I get that. That's a yoga thing. Um, But you want to make sure you're really just filling the chest first. Okay? When you fill the chest first, the belly will follow. Okay? Number two, eat healthy fats and proteins at least twice a day. So healthy fats, of course, are adding coconut oil and cold-pressed olive oils and other nut oils into your food as much as possible, even in weird places. Like my husband and I use coconut oil to butter our toast, gluten-free toast, of course, um, or to fry anything in the frying pan or um, throw it in our smoothies. It actually keeps the brain satiated for much longer and it also creates a a far more slow burning effect not to mention provides good healthy fats that your nervous system needs to survive okay proteins again um that's animal proteins we are definitely um in need of animal proteins on a daily basis, okay? And uh, you can fit that into your worldview however you'd like to. Um, So meat, eggs, dairy, as long as you don't have a dairy issue, uh, at least twice a day, smaller, more frequent meals allows you to keep your blood sugar even across the day, which really is going to help with brain function. As I told you, brain needs fuel. In this case, it's glucose. If you're eating smaller, more snack-like meals throughout the day, then you're going to have a nice, even blood sugar and you won't experience those dips in energy. Okay. And the third thing is find new and novel things to do. Again, the brain wants activation. It wants new things. It wants shiny, fast moving objects. It wants stuff you haven't seen or done before. Okay. That's really what stimulates the brain, what creates new neural networks for us and just keeps us kind of interesting. And uh, I just don't think you can go wrong. Look for new and novel. Maybe it's time to take a dance lesson. Even better if you can get new and novel with body movement. I mean, body movement and brain activation, look out. Um, It's a good time to do that. Maybe you want to learn a new language. There's a number of different things you can do that are new and novel. Make a list for yourself and uh, treat it like a bucket list, things that you can go through each year. 
Anyways, I hope that this has been helpful for you. As always, um, it's important to me that the content of this podcast is relevant and it is uh, applicable and it's something, I hope to give you something every time you hear my voice that is usable right away. So as always, you can continue this conversation with me anytime. Email me. Dr. Lovely at drlovely.expert. Of course, my website is drlovely.expert. And we have a Facebook page too, Not Your Mother's Menopause Podcast. Uh, Facebook page on um, Facebook, of course. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, so I look forward to speaking with you soon. Take care, everybody. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your health care provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you. Thank you.